Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University and here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So writing a full-length single-authored book is something that all social science academics worry about. For every academic that's currently writing a book, there's another nine academics who are worrying about not writing a book. So this is a task that's definitely easy if you talk to people who are also in the same boat. So my name's Neil Selwyn, and in this podcast, I'm going to talk to three education researchers who've just gone through the book writing process. First off, we've got Lucy Pangrazio, a lecturer from Deakin University. Lucy, what's your book title and who have you published with? My book title is Young People's Literacies in the Digital Age, Continuities, Conflicts and Contradictions, and it's with Routledge. Currently, it's in production. Excellent. Uh, second up, we've got Amanda Heffernan, a lecturer at Monash University. Amanda, what have you just written? Um, my book's called The Principle and School Improvement, Theorising Discourse, Policy and Practice. Um, it's with Springer and it has just come out this week. And last up, we've got Kristen Reimer, another lecturer from Monash University. Kristen, what's your book? My book is called Adult Intentions, Student Perceptions, How Restorative Justice is Used in Schools to Control and to Engage. It is with Information Age Publishing in a series on educational leadership for social justice. Excellent. Now, the first thing it says, you should all go out and buy those books. They all sound absolutely fantastic. The second thing is though, actually talking about how they came to be. So, I mean, the first rule of successful book writing is to actually stop talking about writing a book and to actually get on with writing it. But we're going to ignore that rule for the next 20 minutes and actually reflect upon the process. So, I mean, first I wanted to talk about getting the contract. How did you all actually get a go-ahead from a book publisher to do this? I mean, what were your experiences of writing a proposal and negotiating a contract and actually working with the publishers? I was really fortunate that there's a, a book series um, headed up by a couple of educational leadership researchers in Australia, um, Scott E and Richard Nishi and um, they actually suggested that my PhD topic might make for a, a good book that would fit within their series. So were these people you knew before? I mean, I did, yeah. So we've been associated through AARE. Um, just the the Ed Leadership SIG is a, a relatively small SIG, so yeah, yeah you kind of get to know the people in your area really well. So I guess personal contacts are a really important thing in terms of getting a book contract. People don't just pitch up and ask you to write them. So I mean, Kristen, how did yours come about? Yeah, I had a very similar um, experience. So um, Jeff Brooks is the series editor for this one, and he also knew about my. Um, PhD thesis and also suggested that it was a good um, fit. And also used to be a colleague of yours at Monash. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But I loved the experience of the proposal writing because I thought that was sort of the very first part, really where the creative thinking and the critical thinking went into thinking about how could this thesis look like a book. So, I mean, talk us through that process, writing a proposal. I guess it's quite a short document. Yeah, a few pages, um, a few pages for the proposal. And then they want to know sort of like what each chapter is going to, to look like. So it's, it's uh, at least this one had very set questions to fill in um, and ones that get you thinking of, you know, who is your audience? Um, who would this book benefit? How do you want to frame it? What are the core ideas? Um, how do you want to break that down and mm. to speak to the audience? So Lucy, I mean, in terms of the proposal you had to write, did that completely reorientate your thinking about the book? It did actually, but mine was more of a cold call to Routledge. Um, so Monash had um, the Routledge representative come and encourage us to um, put forward a proposal. So I was really sort of thinking, um, I guess, for the first time around how I could structure my PhD as a book. And it did actually change the way I thought about the whole kind of, I guess, my thesis as well. So what was the conversation with the publisher like when you kind of hit her up cold? Did she kind of push you in certain directions? Was it generative? Well, I completed the proposal. I think I, I first I emailed just to say, would you be interested in this topic? And she agreed, yes, she would. So then I wrote the proposal. 
And then, you know, there was a process of reviewing that proposal, giving me some feedback. So we worked sort of, I guess, together on that. Mm, I'm really interested in terms of you've put the proposal in, it kind of gets accepted and then you get the contract. I mean, were there any surprises in what you actually had to sign? Not really, although I did get a couple of more um, experienced people to have a quick look through it and just check um, what I was signing up for. Yeah. yeah. And so what did you all sign up for? I mean, in terms of word length, I mean, we could talk money or royalty. I mean, it's, it's a very kind of, it's a process people don't normally talk about, but I think it's actually quite important. Well, I signed up for um, an 80,000 word book because I just thought that's how long books should be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, and um, we, my the commissioning editor at, at Springer was awesome. He was there to answer any questions that I had. Um, and he just like Lucy said, I asked a few experienced academics um, if I was signing my life away and you know what what I should be looking out for. So it's that kind of the first time you do it, you just, just you just have to trust that you. So how long did I mean in terms of timelines? One of the things in the contract is you must write this book by the first of December twenty eighteen. I mean, did you have negotiations with that? Did they push you into doing it quickly? Well, for me, it was I was to suggest a date that um, I would have it done by, and it was actually suggested to me that that was a bit unrealistic that <laughs> <laughs> I might need some more time, and so they suggested I put it back um, by a few months anyway. And it turned out that that was that was correct. Now, the one thing that surprises me is how little money, if at all, you get. So, I mean, I've had colleagues now that have had royalties of zero percent or have been offered a flat fee of 500 euros. I mean, we're not in it for the money, but it's always interesting to know what the boundaries are. So I think my first book, I got 10 percent. My last book, I think I'm on five. So, I mean, in terms of what you were offered, I mean, was there anything there or were you just not expecting to get anything from it? Not really. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everybody told me this will not make you any money. That's not why you're doing it. But I think my terms are 5%, I think. Yeah, which is about par for the course. So, I mean, first lesson, don't do it for money. So secondly, then, I'm really interested in terms of what you had to change to write the thesis. Presumably, it's not a case of just downloading the document and uh, pressing submit. So, I mean, how did you rework the thesis? The thing for me was I sort of took it two ways. The first time I started rethinking the thesis, um, I took out a lot of the methodological stuff because I thought, mm. well, I had read a few bits of advice here and there that said no one was really that interested, um, certainly not to the depth that you need for your thesis examination. Um, but then as people were reading the drafts and giving me feedback and then once the series editors got it as well, they actually wanted me to include a lot more of that back in okay. um, as a sort of a, a rigorous, um, they think it's an important part to really sort of show the audience what you've done. So were you burying it in the appendix or was I, it there? I had a methodological appendix because, yeah. Um, yeah, someone we worked with showed me his thesis to book and he had a methodological appendix and I was like, okay, let's, you know, you can put a little bit in there. Um, but in the end, it's gone back into um, the, the main structure oh, of perfect. the book now. Yeah. How about you, Kristen? Well, as I said before, but with writing the proposal, that's really where the first big thinking about how to, to change things up for me was. And so I really used that to kind of map out, okay, what's the core idea? What? How do I... How do I want the story to sort of move and thinking of it more as a story yeah, yeah, than yeah. as the thesis and what you have to include? Um, and mine was already written quite in a narrative style, so it, it fit fairly naturally in that, but it was even bringing that out more. So yeah. whereas in the thesis I had used, you know, I had two different schools and one was school A and one was school B. Like now I gave them names and I gave the participants names rather than educator number one. So it just to kind of create more of the, the narrative flow. I and your imagined reader is no longer the two examiners, it's but right. it's, yeah, it's someone mm -hmm. who wants to hear a story. Now, Lucy, you 
took a complete theoretical rethink of your thesis for the book. Yes, I did. Well, I guess I uh, approached it slightly differently. I rewrote the first half of the the thesis and turned it into a book because I really wanted it to be more of a story. And um, I did add some more theory that I I guess I wished I'd, I'd put in my thesis. Mm. So I, was, I had that time to sort of, um, I guess, improve the theoretical framing of it, which was great. But I also, because I was working with young people, I really wanted to bring their stories out across the course of the book. So I used a, um, I guess, turned it into more of a narrative, as Kristen was saying, um, across the the eight chapters. In some ways, it's a second bite at doing the thesis. Yes, I think that's the way I approached it. And it was really, um, I sort of came to new understandings as as I went back a second time, which was which was really quite um, rewarding. So you've learned a lot about Foucault and a lot about this Foucault, yes, got <laughs> <laughs> Now, thirdly, I mean, how do you get all this writing and rewriting done? I mean, how have you all found the time to write the book? I mean, what was the writing process actually like in reality? I don't have much of a social life, as it turns <laughs> out. Um, I think one of the really amazing parts of our job is that we have time specifically to do these things. So we have, um, certainly at Monash, research is a large part of our work, so... Um, that just sort of formed the the key thing I was working on at the time. So if I was writing, it was the book that I was really, writing. Really? So you, you just prioritise ruthlessly the book? Yeah, because actually you suggested that I should do that. One day walking down the stairs. Um, yeah, it told me to, to keep working on it and, and not let myself get distracted. So. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things is just to tell people I am writing a book and then that kind of makes you do it, but it also makes them not bother you for other stuff. I mean, how about you, Kristen? How did you carve time out? Well, I think it does take, like anything, usually takes more time than you think it's going to take. And that's what I found um, for myself. And I, I sort of need good long chunks. So I did two writing retreats where I went away by myself and for two or three days just focused really? on the book. Yeah. And the first time was really just to to map it out onto those chapters and to have my first kind of go at chopping and rewriting and all that. And the second time was after getting some feedback from people and going back and and working through some of the, the nuances of it. So, I mean, lots of people take themselves off to a cabin in the woods mm-hmm. for three days to write and just sit in a cabin in the woods and do nothing. So, I mean, how did you actually make yourself put pen to paper? Or fingers to, or fingers to keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> keyboard. I think just the motivation that this is my time, like this is the time I have I, and I want to get it done. So um, I, it was more productive than I thought it was going to be yeah, those days. So. Yeah. And Lucy, how did you find time? Um, as Amanda said, like it was my focus. I, I really just, um, I did put off working on it for a few months after I got the contract, which I regretted later because I actually found that it was, it, I needed to return over and over again to chapters to make it work as a whole. So it was far more involved. It was far more iterative, I think, than I had imagined. And um, so I worked on it probably for about eight months, nine months solidly every day and just tried to keep coming back to it over and over again. Were you writing individual chapters or when did you actually progress from writing an individual section to the whole book? Well, I think there was a moment I started off with the individual chapters and then I put it together as a whole document and I think I possibly should have done that a little bit sooner mm. because it made me sort of have a more global kind of perspective on what I was trying to achieve. And then there was sort of going back and forth between the different chapters. So 
Um, it was certainly a great moment, but then it also made me realise that there was more to do. So, I mean, we've talked about going off on your own for three days. And I mean, like, writing is a lonely business, but you never really write a book completely on your own. So, I mean, I'm really interested in terms of sources of support. I mean, who did you go for advice? Who, who actually turned out to be helpful? For me, there was a, a friend of mine who had written a book a few months before I started mine, and he asked me to read his with a fresh set of eyes. So mm. I was able to then make him return that favour. Um, and it's someone completely outside of my field. So he was able to sort of say, this doesn't make sense or, you know, expand on this kind of thing. Um, and then just there's so many generous academics, I think, around the place that have been through this and they're, they're excited for you. And it's a, a really big milestone. So they were very forthcoming with um, that encouragement. Yeah. I mean, Kristen, did you have any critical friends? or? I, I agree with what Amanda said, too, just about that generosity of people just being there, even just to look at a little section or something or talk about their process. Um, so I had a few people look at sections. And then um, Louis, my partner, actually, he's a very good critical friend and he looked through it all. And he's not an academic. So he looks at it mm-hmm. and he says, okay, you've said that three times and it makes no sense like that you're saying nothing and that you have to say it. You have to say what you mean here. And so I always give my work to him as well. And in terms of more formal um, help, I guess once you've submitted the book, the copy editing process and the proofreading process can also be quite useful. And I guess this differs from publisher to publisher. I mean, Lucy, what was your experience of actually getting copy editing help? Uh, well, I haven't really reached that stage. Ah, you've just submitted, right, right. So I've just submitted. Um, uh, I did have uh, a little bit of to and fro with permission, so I had to get um, seek permissions again from my participants. So that took a little bit of time, but at the moment it's in production. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting to hear more. So dealing with permissions is one thing that might surprise you. I mean, Amanda, you've your book's actually on the shelves yesterday, so congratulations. But I mean, in terms of the proofreading, the copy editing, I mean, how did that work for you? Um, it was a really smooth process, actually. So the series editors, um, they both read through it before I actually formally submitted um, and gave me some feedback. And then I made adjustments according to that. And then um, basically got the email saying the proofs are ready, do them within 10 days or, or whatever it is. And um, so I locked myself away and I'm, I, I'm not great with details sometimes. So I made sure to really um, go through it sort of with a fine tooth comb and picked up a few things that I wasn't happy with or that needed to change. Yeah, yeah. And Kristen, post-production, how has your experience been? I'm um, similar stages as Lucy, so I don't, I haven't had that feedback yet. So you submit the book and then Mm. months pass and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And then they say, deal with this within 10 days. I did actually have the editor supposedly read it all and and said, yep, this is, we're happy with it. It's going through. So I got an initial, like after three weeks, I think it was, after submission, I got a, a, a response. But since then, I've had nothing. Yeah, goes into a black hole. Now, given everything that you now know, what pearls of wisdom do you have for others? I mean, what bits of advice do you think are worth sharing to those people that are thinking of writing a first book? Oh, well, I mean, for, for the proposal stage, I think what was really helpful to me was to have a look at previous uh, proposals that people had submitted and that had been successful. Mm. So I had a good sense of the kind of language to use. Um, it is not something I had experienced before. It's quite niche. So um, that was really helpful to me. And then just, I guess, showing the proposal to a few people to see, do you think this will fly? I would agree with that. But I also, like, I found that the, the process of doing the proposal was what got me thinking the most in terms of what to do moving forward. And so I would actually also say to use that as a creative process to think about what is the real core idea that you want to get across and 
what do you want to how do you want to say that how do you want to how do you want to make that story how do you want to frame it given how important the proposal actually is i mean let's just demystify it a little bit i mean we're talking mm. about a few pages here synopsis of chapters what did you actually do for the proposal stage yeah, i mean there was a i think a page that sort of was an overview and then there was a synopsis of each chapter there was what's your market um, what other um, books are out there that are sort of would be seen as competitors of yours or how do you how does yours fit into the conversation that's already happening I think um, at my stage my advice would be or I don't know what advice but I was surprised at how nervous I was once I realized it was out there for the world so mm. um, being a PhD book I think it was such a personal thing and such a developmental thing for six years of my life and then all of a sudden I'm actually really nervous that people are reading this <laughs> I kind of don't want them to <laughs> at the same time as wanting everyone to read it. So you it. can buy it but don't read it. Yeah. I mean, my final question was actually going to be what motivated you all to actually do this because I mean turning a book into a thesis is something that everyone makes a vague promise to do but most people never get actually around to doing. So, I mean what tipped you into taking it on committing to all this extra work getting people to, write, to read your book? For me it was um, like I said my PhD took six years. I was with these principals for three years. Um, and so they gave such a huge part of their lives and their school and their, you know, their day to day kind of work up for the thesis. And I didn't want it just to sit in a drawer um, or in a repository that no one's going to download. So I, I wanted that work to be out there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think for me it was, I, I always had a sense that my thesis would be better in an expanded form, not just sort of through journal articles. So being able to kind of get that depth reading on those characters. I always find it's really interesting how seriously your work is taken when it's a book. All of a sudden journalists want to speak to you and it kind of gives you a credibility, even though I don't think they sell many copies or many people actually read them. There's something about a book which kind of elevates you to a different level. And I think that's part of the agony, like what Amanda was saying toward the end when I was about to submit, I kept reading the book through different people people's eyes how will this person read it how will that person read it and you sort of you have to stop at some point um I never wanted to do a book I just I would when I finished my thesis that was it I was done I, mean, I love the process and product of the thesis but what I wanted to do was just take you know sort of an idea in it that I hadn't really explored and do journal articles and so I started doing that and I'm still doing that but I realized that that's going to take forever mm. <laughs> and I have this body of work that's really quite interesting and even though I'm done with it in some ways. And um, it was helpful for me to go back to it and think about it afresh. But then also I was realizing the limitations of journal articles that it's sort of like start, stop, start, stop yeah, you know, yeah. with these ideas that there is great to have a space where you actually just get into it and get into the ideas and the story. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing achievement to actually kind of do it. So you should all feel really proud of yourself. And I think the idea of a first book implies there's going to be a second book and possibly a third book. So I hope the experience hasn't put you off writing and I hope that we'll see many more books in the future from you all. Thanks for sharing your pain. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you.